Welcome to the Tesseract Podcast, where we unlock your power to innovate. Our mission is to empower airmen, connect them to resources, and accelerate change across the Air Force logistics enterprise. Specifically, our team works as an innovation accelerator assigned to the Air Staff Logistics Directorate, where we partner with airmen to operationalize the new sustainment strategy. My name is James, and I'm going to be your host today. Hello, and welcome to the show. Uh, I'm joined today by uh, Amanda Whalen. She's the Royal Canadian Air Force Digital Hub Program Owner, I think is the title that we landed on, and as well as Diana Pernovo. Is that good? Okay. That's a, that's a French. Um, she is the digital lead for Plan Quillic, which is the uh, innovation team for the, uh, the Royal Canadian Air Force, uh, all, all domains, like all problem sets and missions, correct? Uh, that's correct. Okay. Yeah, and we're we're in Austin, Texas, at the Software Coalition. Uh, you'll you'll have heard if you listen to the previous episode uh, with Matt Nelson um, a little bit more about that. But we'll, we'll talk a little bit more. So, what's innovation like for the RCAF? Great question. I would say I think the innovative culture is is growing in the RCAF. I think we've got a really strong, dedicated effort now with playing Billet to really help that growth. And I think there's a huge appetite for it across the entire force uh, at, at all ranks and all levels. Um, so I think there's a ton of support for it, a ton of appetite, but just like all innovation, I think it still remains quite challenging. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I agree with that, school said. Is it a, a recent history? How long have the, how, how long has Plan Quillic been around? I think uh, Plan Quillic itself has been around what, since 2020. Uh, by the then deputy commander of the Air Force, uh, Major General Kieber is now retired, actually. Um, before that, there was an RCF innovation effort that was ongoing. Um, and I was actually a part of that team. And that team was set up earlier back in, I think, about 2017. It was just making kind of some slow inroads. Uh, and then when Plan Quillick was stood up to try and really spread that innovation further and and see if we could even and do more in that space, um, it became clear quite early on that the two teams have could, could achieve more together. And so in the end, we ended up merging the two teams in uh, fall of 2021, I believe. And I think that's been a huge accelerant for the entire innovation program. It's been awesome. Mm-hmm. What are some problem areas that you guys are working in today? So many. So, I mean, it, I mean, I think it was to just sort of set, set the stage a little bit. Plan Kulig, we have four focus areas, right? One of them being communications, and that's very much um, mostly internal communications. How do we flatten the communication lines between our senior leaderships and our aviators, right? There's that part. Then we have um, upskilling. We recognize that um, we want to modernize our Air Force. That's a really big uh, part of the, the new RCF strategy. So how do we do that? We need to... Um, upskill our current aviators with like digital, like to have data literacy and to have uh, design thinking um, courses so that they are looking at problems with a different perspective and a different lens. Then we've got the innovation piece. And the innovation piece is really the idea of great ideas have no rank, right? You know, we don't care. We want to sign that hierarchy model and um, enable and empower aviators to speak up with, with their ideas because really they are the, the heart of the Air Force. 
Um, and finally, the last part, which um, I think we talked a lot about here in Austin with the Software Coalition is the digital piece, right? And the digital piece is about, uh, to me, it's it goes back to our biggest problem in our organization. And I think it would resonate with a lot of our allies. And that is our resources, people. Um, we don't have enough people in our organization to really deal with what's, um, you know, the pacing threat and our, our uh, new capabilities. We're getting all this new capability, but we don't have all the people to actually make this happen. Like we're actually uh, really concerned about that. It's, uh, it's an issue. And so to me, digital is a way for us to build that capacity, right? Automate um, legacy workflows where we can so that we can then employ our people in a more meaningful way and build that capacity so that maybe we don't require as many people to do the same task. Yeah. So everything that you said resonates from a USAF perspective um, and from an innovation perspective. Like, you know, obviously I'm personally very interested in the digitization piece and the, the modernizing legacy systems. And we've been talking about this uh, for the last couple of days or really all week. Um, could you speak to uh, the kind of relative size of the RCAF versus USAF just for some context for the listeners? Yeah, so the RCAF is much smaller. Um, I think right now we're sitting around 12,000 people. Um, so obviously a, a much smaller force. So when we looked at, at what we saw while we were here, a lot of it was, you know, in our minds kind of saying, okay, how can we take away the best lessons that we're learning? But then also we'll have to scale it down a little bit and, and apply it probably on a smaller scale. That makes a lot of sense. And that does, that gives a little bit more weight to your your uh, problem set that you're trying to solve with digitization as far as, you know, acting as a force multiplier. Um, because I, I imagine, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I imagine some things, some problem sets get scaled down as you have fewer members, i.e. you could do this, the same approach, but a smaller footprint, but then other problem sets are novel or don't scale down because it's still a very complicated system that you have to account for all aspects. Could you speak to that? An example that I was thinking of is like aircraft maintenance. You still need to have all the parts to fix the aircraft, right? The entire supply chain has to be accounted for. Yeah. So I actually think that's a great example. I would say, yeah, and we're still going to have to have the same sort of process in place that you have in place when you're fixing aircraft, but you just have fewer aircraft to fix would be maybe how it scales down slightly. Um, but maintenance is, is an excellent example of where we are trying to make some strides in digitalizing some of the processes because we are seeing that we we are short on technicians and they're not getting to spend as much time as we would like them to edit the aircraft. Um, a lot of that time is spent filling out paperwork or on an antiquated system that is available on only one or two computers in the entire hangout. Um, so a lot of challenges in that space, as you can imagine, um, it's very policy driven and very structured, so lots to break through from an innovative cultural perspective. Um, but I, I think we're, we're trying to make some small and steady strides into that space. And your organization is aligned, our uh, plan Quillick is aligned under uh, like a vice chief position, right? Um, so plan Quillick is um, a, a unit, we're a little uh, team, we're led by uh, Lieutenant Colonel Diane Baltasero. It's a rank agnostic and we have a total, including her, nine uniform members. 
and we report directly to the deputy commander of the Royal Canadian Air Force. So that's the number two, Major General Spicer Flanchette. And so that structure has allowed us to move much more quickly than um, if we were embedded um, into, you know, an, an L2 or an L3 organization. So as Amanda talks about earlier, uh, when she started some of the digital work, she was um, under the Air Warfare Center. And so I think that um, in that construct, you had several more levels um, of approval before you were able to get anything signed off by the deputy commander. Um, but when Plank Kulik stood up, uh, we realized that we, we needed that ability to engage with the deputy commander much more quickly so we can get that feedback loop and, um, and get things moving much more. And uh, having been able to see it from both sides, being on an innovation team that was embedded in the normal uh, hierarchical structure um, and several layers deep versus being outside of that normal structure, having that freedom to maneuver and go direct and communicate. And, and of course, using that only when needed, not looking advantage, but using it strategically uh, has certainly like accelerated the growth and in particular the growth of digital I think it has really served us um, because one of the one of the um, offerings that we have um, in Plan Kulik in our digital offering is something called our cafe. Um, you can think of it essentially as an. If you laugh because our CAF. Yeah, it's a good good little play on words. <laughs> I'm very proud of it. <laughs> you can think of it as an internal Reddit, right? So. Any, yeah. 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 So anyone can post and start a discussion about any topic. Um, and so you can have general officers kind of um, contributing to the discussion. You can have aviators contributing to the discussion. And because of where we sit on this team, we are essentially over moderating what's going on in these discussions uh, more so than anyone else. And so that has given us the, um, the ability uh, to really get the pulse of what's happening down at every level uh, through the chain. And so we're able to report that back uh, to the deputy commander, to this high, the most senior leadership about the pulse, the morale and the sentiment of our troops. I'll do some like shameless self-promotion for our cafe because it's really, uh, it's really been cool as well because we host Ask Me Anything's on there. So as well as giving us that pulse, it's also given uh, access for all members of the Air Force to engage with different senior leaders and have come on and hosted Ask Me Anything's. And a lot of them have done very well and responded to every question that was asked and, and just really tried to bring that, those lines of communication together. So... I, uh, Amanda showed me the actual art cafe just, just now. And I feel like I'm a little too, maybe a little too indoctrinated into, you know, being a work in the air force, but it just blew my mind because it's a really nice design and it's such a common sense thought to have a place where you can just chat about things that you have in common. And, uh, that's a great vehicle of communication. That's really cool. I was actually going to ask, um, what, what are some, so obviously you're, you're moving, you're kind of, you're kind of consolidating into this like more staff kind of oriented position. Um, and then, and then, uh, or at least in a different spot. 
uh, we'll say, conceptually further from the field. So what do you guys do to make sure that you don't lose touch with your end, end users? Well, so for myself, I'm located at A-Wing Trenton, which is, is awesome. It's the biggest Air Force base in Canada, the Hall of Air Mobility, so lots of flying. Um, so most of the people I interact with socially are other members that are still at flying squadrons or are still maintainers on the wing. Uh, so I spend a lot of time on the wing and tend to be more at social events nowadays or playing hockey with them. But you get that, you know, you get that opportunity to sit with them and chat. It's like, what are your problems? What's going on? What does it look like right now? You know, how, how is everyone at your unit doing? Um, as well, we make an effort to get our development teams out to the end users. So when we're launching a new app or, or, or a new major feature for an application, uh, we try to get a developer trade out there and they, they go and they, they walk the flight line and they see how the members are going to interact with the app and they spend time just empathizing and, and trying to understand the problems to really get a feel for what's going on there. Um, and I found for me, that's been kind of my approach throughout all of this. Yeah, I think just uh, engaging with people through our platform has been has been a way that we do it. We and Another thing that we do is, um, so I told you we have nine core members um, on our team, but we also have what we call debt members. So we have um, members across all of our wings and bases um, participate in the overall like larger Pine Kulik ecosystem. And these are people from you know tactical level to operational level to strategic level, all are welcome. And we, we engage with them on a regular basis. So that's another way that we we stay up to date with what's happening. I'm just shocked. I've been shocked this whole week how much we have in common with this. So for anyone listening to this, if you don't know about Tesseract's LNO community, uh, please <laughs> visit our website and get involved. It's exactly uh, what Diana just described. Um, and we use uh, Slack as a platform. So, you know, you're trying to use the tool that you might already be using in your work centers. Um, you mentioned, so you said nine members on the actual team, could you, do you have any, uh, like a number for kind of how big your portfolio is, how many projects you have at any given time or kind of a rough sense of scale there? Really, it, it's primarily broken down into those four lines. Those four buckets. Yeah, yeah. So that's the easiest way to kind of think about it. And then within each bucket, it, you know, it, it all ebbs and flows. Um, sometimes it might be, you know, really running fast with lots on the go. And I think right now the whole team is really, really busy. We have a lot going on right now and a lot coming up in the next month. Um, but and yeah, there is, there tends to be no, no real hard stop. Just look, yeah. look kind of we to manage. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I think because there's such a small team, right. That we can't, we can't necessarily, we are very collaborative. You know, we, we will, label ourselves, we'll give ourselves a certain title. Um, you know, we have someone on our team who is our innovation lead, for example, and we have someone who is our comms lead, uh, digital lead and the upskill lead. But really we all kind of share that work because, um, there, like Amanda was saying, there's ebbs and flows. So for example, the ask me anythings, um, those, uh, we run those every quarter. And as you can imagine, that one takes um, all hands on deck. It's a lot, a lot of work from our team to prepare any general officer and his staff 
um, to to participate in our Ask Me Anythings, uh, to moderate the discussions that are going on, and also engage uh, and market to the aviators, make sure that they know that the event is happening, um, and to, um, yeah, just to troubleshoot if there's any issues going on while, while that's happening. So the AMA is under the kind of innovation comms side of, uh, of our team. But when that's happening, we're all involved in it, right? Um, so it really just depends on what's happening. It's squishy. It, yeah. <laughs> it's squishy. Yeah, it's the word of the week. Um, well, I'm going to ask a follow on, but if I'm kind of off base, and I think I, I am, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Because um, it, the, let's ask. Uh, do you have a formal intake mechanism for projects then? We do. It depends what they fall in, but we have um, what we call our ideas portal. So we have another app that sits on our kind of main uh, suite of applications called Hangar. Um, we call it our digital yeah. desktop. Yeah, like a hub kind of situation. Yeah, we have the Air Force portal. Yeah. Dashboards and for some reason there's a... Uh, People don't like that word. Yeah, we're, we're we're scarred by people asking for dashboards. Yeah, <laughs> call it the landing page as well. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, for the RCF digital desktop is really how it's being marketed, and so we have this ideas application, and and that's the best way we have found so far to intake ideas. Um, it's not perfect, and we do still have people that will reach out through other means, but we try to funnel everyone through the ideas portal because it gives us a way. Uh, to organize and sort those ideas and then to kind of uh, respond to them. And it's also open to everyone. So everyone in the, actually everyone in the cap actually technically could go and, and check out the ideas that have been posted there and um, and see if there's anything that, you know, is in line. This is like a walkthrough. Uh, it's like a tour of, of how Tesseract operates a little bit too. Uh, once again, if listeners don't know, you can go on our website and submit a ticket if you have an idea. <laughs> Not trying to plug, it just seems relevant because people might listen to this and be like, oh, that's a great idea. Like, it will, <laughs> yes, it is a great idea. You're doing, <laughs> that's great. Um, okay. So uh, we at Tesseract, we have this kind of uh, tension and it, it comes from what we've just been talking about with this intake mechanism uh, where we try to st stay squishy, right? We try to just kind of plug in and help innovators in the field wherever we can. Um, but we also kind of need to validate our existence through generating metrics, uh, finding success stories and stuff like that. So we do have kind of like a, a, a discrete portfolio at any given time with like an amount of projects that kind of informs what I was, uh, you know, where I was kind of driving with that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a bit different because I'm thinking also sometimes we get ideas through our digital side, you know, um, how do we improve existing our existing web app as an example, but that's different from, let's say, our vector check. Uh, our vector check, you could uh, think of it as the RCAF's internal Dragon's Den. Um, so, yeah, well, Dragon's Den is the army. Yeah, but yeah, that's okay. It's okay. That's great. <laughs> I'm Canadian, sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the vector check is like, um, we, we run it every six months and it's um, an event with the commander of the RCAF where um, aviators whose ideas get selected and that's um, selected through our team. 
um, has the opportunity to pitch an idea to the commander and have it be endorsed. And so I'll tell you one of our recent successes, um, we had a vector check in the spring and the idea that was selected was the Game Force, which is the RCF's eSport team. So we didn't have that previously. And I think it's a real, uh, a really big change in mindset and, and how, how our, how everyone actually, everyone, our leaders, everyone think about esports and gaming. Um, so we had one of our um, military members pitch the game force to the commander and, and, and talk about it um, in a way that uh, talks about, you know, appeals to a younger generation and gives them a sense of belonging similar to the ways that some of us will have experienced on um, any regular sports team or sport competition, right? Uh, talks about it in terms of just wellness in general. That's, that's how some people bond and how they, they, um, how they take care of themselves, right? And connect with other people through esports. And so they were able to get some financial support from the commander to build their team, buy equipment, train, um, travel to competitions. And they most recently participated in the Code Bowl, so CODE Bowl, which is the Call of Duty Endowment Bowl. Um, and it's, um, it's a competition with military esport teams that raises money for uh, veteran employment. Uh, and you know, I, I don't, I'm not a gamer myself, so I didn't really know anything about it, uh, but I was supportive of having this team. And then our, our team won. It was the first time the RCF sent a team down to this competition and they actually won the competition. Uh, it was awesome. Um, it's like a Rocky story of some sort in there. Yeah, we're just so proud of them for being able to do that. And it's uh, it's something that everyone has seemed to rally behind and get really excited about. It really doesn't matter, like, for, uh, like at all rank levels, all across the Air Force. It's, it's a success story that everybody's been able to rally behind. So we're very proud of them. So... The idea of the name Vector Check, go on the record and say, I really like that. And we should somehow incorporate that. Uh, I really like it because it, uh, the implication is that they are doing something of their own volition. They're already working on it. And then they bring it up and get a, a bigger set of eyes on it. And maybe there's a little course correction that needs to be made, or maybe it's just a, a point you know, where they're ready to get some more formal backing. But after the vector check, it's still their thing. So that's kind of what we're driving at, where if we try to stay squishy on Tesseract um, and not be the, the kind of gatekeepers, but we do have to kind of claim a little bit of ownership over, over things that get assigned to us. So I like the vector check thing. That's really cool. <laughs> um, okay, so we are... In Austin, um, we've just finished a uh, two-day, kind of two-and-a-half or even three-day event, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Software Coalition, which is kind of uh, the software factories kind of converging, sending representatives um, across the, the DOD, and we had some of our allied partners um, like the RCAF come. So why did you guys come down here this week? 
really just to take in as much as we could and learn as much as we could from what everybody else is doing. And also to explore um, some areas where we might be able to collaborate in the future. Um, I think it's been a really interesting week and I think we've learned very quickly that we're definitely not alone in our problems as we've talked about uh, here even. There's a lot of similarities between what each of our forces are doing and uh, and we have a lot of the same challenges and I think we can overcome them better together than, uh, than we can on our own, that's for sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's been a really positive experience for me. Um, and like Amanda said, what um, I learned here meeting everyone is that we're not unique in this problem space. So it feels like we're not alone. And there's a lot of uh, work that we all have to do. Um, and it's nice to know that we have support. I think it's, uh, I think we're like each other's peer and support network to um, try and really like in the same space and try to achieve similar objectives across different um, organizations. Yeah. It's also really cool because I mean, everybody that we've met has been so open and welcome and collaborative and also incredibly smart. Yeah. And so I think bringing groups like that together, you're always going to achieve and then more. Just, it's been just a willingness to share uh, has been really nice. At, at this point, um, you know, it's kind of the end of 2023. A lot of the folks that were in this room had been around each other for like, four or five and six years by now. Um, and I think, and, and this kind of goes back to what I just talked about with uh, Matt Nelson about two weeks ago when I was talking to <laughs> Matt Nelson two weeks ago um, <laughs> about uh, how the ecosystem is a little different now um, and there's kind of more of a, a mentality of working together because of the problem sets are common and we can learn from each other's mistakes. The Australian representative uh, made the joke when he introduced himself that uh, the USAF is big enough that we can uh, make, we'll just say, expensive mistakes. <laughs> we have that luxury. Um, could you speak to any uh, kind of examples of uh, maybe some mistakes or some things that you learned to avoid while you were here? It can be as vague or as technical, you know? Yeah, I don't know that there's not any mistakes or things I would avoid. I think it was more along the lines of um, seeing how you're doing things, uh, you know, how do you approach some of the same problems, perhaps differently than us, but not necessarily mistakes. I don't know that we focused on, hey, what did you not do right? It was more like, what have you tried here that, it's, that has worked and instead we could perhaps uh, leverage and, and try and take back. And I know we talked a lot about KO and that was one that I'm very interested in. The continuous ATO. Yeah, sorry. And if you watched your last one with that. <laughs> yeah, we may have talked about that. <laughs> I'm coming, so. That for, that's a good example, I think, of an area where it, I don't think we focused on, you know, all the areas where it hasn't gone right. It focused was on how, how did you get it to go right and to work and how could we take some of that back to Canada and, and try and apply it. And um, so I think that was, you know, from, from my lens, how I, I tended to look at it. Sure. Me too. More like what are the best practices? What has worked and what can we, what can we borrow and, and try for ourselves, you know? So one of the one of the things that, that stuck with me was, you know, you need a champion. You know, you, you need to advocate for what, what you're doing uh, to the most senior 
um, leadership. And when you have that person who is advocating for you and championing for, for your work to really use that momentum um, to really grow, to really grow um, our program, right? You need that person. And when you find that person, that's what, when, when magic happens. <laughs> There's a lot of translation that needs to occur for, uh, the cha- you know, that's why you need a champion is because all these problems that you deal with that have a digital context, there's translation that needs to occur to really understand that kind of thing. Um, do you have that champion currently? I think we do right now. We really okay. feel that we do. We would feel strong and that we do. So, um, yeah, and that hopefully we can really, uh, you know, take advantage of that and, and see this program just take off. Yeah. One of the ways, uh, that that complexity doesn't scale down with the smaller force, I, I would guess, I would think, is that the, your staff construct is probably similarly complex to ours. So I thought about that you need to navigate maybe a similar amount of bureaucracy and tier the similar amount of tiers of approvals and such uh, to get the same result, but then your end result has a smaller footprint you know, the down the, the impact, say you create a uh, piece of software just because the user base is smaller. So that is kind of a, a difficult tension for you guys to balance. It's, uh, yeah, I would say the bureaucracy, that was something this week that we all discussed quite, quite a lot. And it is very similar. The, the bureaucracy we're all trying to navigate right now and, and to try and um, change for the better is all very similar. Um, so yeah, there isn't a change there. I do think when we push an app at the end, um, sure, we are reaching a smaller number of users, but overall, I think it still has the same relative impact um, because it, it certainly feels that way. I still find it incredibly rewarding every time we're able to get an app in the hands of the users and see that it's making their life better and see that they're excited because digital is really cool and that we talked about some of the stuff being squishy and also kind of hard to measure. When you get an app to pr- production, like it's tangible, like it's there. It is there making someone's life better and you can see it and you can see them using it. And I've always loved that payoff at the end. So um, I, it makes like navigating all that bureaucracy right now worth it. Doesn't make me not want to change it, but still I change it and make it better. But <laughs> it does make it in that, uh, I, I don't know if I have a skill that's relevant to Tesseract, but if, if there was a skill that's been developed since I've been here, it's partially in navigating that bureaucracy. And that's something that you get from your team of nine being in those seats. Um, but at the same time, very kind of personality dependent for folks to you get the right people in the seats that can interact with those, you know, different staff divisions and such that you need to. Um, what do you guys do for uh, hiring the next folks to take your place and, and creating a, a you know sustainable structure for your organization? Yeah, so uh, we're actually just about to send out our um, our latest um, like call for applications. So we do that internally through our kind of air um, air force generated messages, um, and essentially it is a, a form. We use Microsoft Forms. We have an application uh, on there with a list of questions that we as a team, the core members came together and um, and thought of as like the, the best questions to ask to, to find the candidates that best fit with 
with our culture and the types of the personalities that we're looking for and the skill sets that we're looking for. So they have, they fill out that form and then they are interviewed. They are interviewed by us. Um, and the whole core team has, um, gets to have, have a say in who those candidates uh, will be selected for, for, to, to, to round out our team really is what it is. It's, um, you know, knowing what we know and knowing the people that are currently on the team, uh, we know what our skill sets uh, are, and then we may be missing a few. Uh, so there might be um, certain areas, um, certain skills that we're looking for in the in other members to come join us to to round to round out that skill set. Yeah. Sorry for a slightly loaded question, but uh, do you pull from enlisted and officers for your team? Do. Okay, and all career fields. Yeah. What a great approach. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Integrated exclusive. Yeah. Yeah. And you need those perspectives. I think it's so important. Like, I mean, you can't have experienced everything that someone else has, right? You get still piped into your trade and you're, yeah, I think you need to hear from everybody and having those people on the team that brings a different voice and from perspectives to the table that you might never even have thought of. Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad the answer to that was yes. Otherwise, it may have been a little awkward. <laughs> okay, very cool. Um, and then I, I, uh, I imagine you guys do a lot of kind of internal things together. So you really work together very closely. Uh, you mentioned the example of during the Ask Me Anything, it's all hands on deck. Um, but then for other projects, you're you're in kind of a collaborative space with each other. You know, even if it's virtual, a lot of the time, is that correct? Yeah, we talk every day. Okay. We use for our core members, we use Teams, and so pretty much throughout the day, we're always uh, talking to each other and providing feedback to each other. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was just getting at that. Um, cause obviously then the, the fact that you all have a say in the hiring is that much more important cause you're going to be working with people. Um, yeah, that very, very closely mirrors our own kind of, uh, hiring practices on the team here. So, okay. What are your favorite parts about being in the air force? I think for me, uh, right now it's, I guess two things, the sense of camaraderie. I really, truly believe there's a lot of really awesome people in our Air Force and I really enjoy hanging out with them and working with them and, and, and spending my days with them. Um, and then as well, I think it's that sense of purpose. I find it really rewarding and I, I find being able to contribute and, and give something back and as small an impact as it may make, it, it still feels good to give back to something bigger, especially when you know it's helping those good people that you enjoy being around. Yeah, for me, you know, I, I joined when I was um, just coming out of high school. And so I feel like I've been raised by the Air Force <laughs> and it has given me a lot of great experiences. Um, I, at one point in my career, I came to a decision point that's um, like family related uh, that had me questioning whether or not I, um, I would stay or um, go or stay. Um, ultimately, I, I decided to stay because, like I said, I've just had a really great experience in the Air Force. And I really acknowledge that around that same time, there were a lot of people who were coming out and talking about um, bad experiences. Like they didn't, not everybody had a great experience going through, right? Um, and, and I saw, I, 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 I acknowledge that. I see, I saw 
I, I see them. Um, I had some good experiences too, but I knew that the Air Force has a lot of work to do still. And around that same time, I was listening to some of our senior leaders start talking about this need for change, this uh, that we needed, if we wanted to retain our talent, if we wanted to be an employer of choice, something needs to change. Um, and I wanted to be part of that change. I, I really do. And, and I feel like where we are today on our team, it, it gives me that platform to do that. Um, so I, I just feel so privileged to have that space to be able to to experiment and just to champion for changes for our, uh, for our aviators. That's beautiful. Um, a tear in my eye. No, truly though, uh, we talked to, to Dan uh, a few weeks ago and kind of the the message at the end of it was that it, it's Air Force, our Air Force, your Air Force, every big organization, uh, it's vast and complex and it can feel um, like it doesn't have regard for you or like it's going to move on the same way with or without you. Um, but that's just not true. <laughs> and it, it, that your impact is to some degree a product of, of uh, what you think is possible and what you're willing to do. Um, so that, that's why I think that's probably what attracts us, as you said, Diana, to the innovation ecosystem is this is a place where we can kind of uh, make real changes and see those impacts, whether it's getting an app into prod in the warfighter's hands or uh, or creating an esports team and, you know, showing the big boss and <laughs> going down and winning the competition. That's very awesome. Well, Diana and Amanda, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for listening to the Tesseract Podcast. This show is how I started to learn about enterprise-level strategy and the innovation ecosystem within the Air Force, and I hope we passed along some learning to you with this episode. If you'd like to engage with our team, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and connect with us on LinkedIn. Any references to trademarked, copyrighted, or protected products or services such as books, movies, or businesses are used here for the limited purpose of education and professional development of Air Force Airmen. If you have any questions, please contact us at www.tesseract.af.mil.